This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 206 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two persons that, I figured it out, their combined years of teaching is 130. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer back with me, Jen, today. How are you? She's back. She is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me feel so calm. You're my Shoo. Shoo. Yeah. It's it's weird when it's weird when I miss a an, an episode because then I feel like I'm all disjointed and out of whack and I've lost track of what's going on and oh, all that kind of stuff. Stamp with my soap opera here. That's no, right. We well, <laughs> unlike most of the podcasts on Horse Radio Network, most of the podcasts that we produce, um, the entire episode is recorded all at one time in one session. But oh, you don't you don't work that way. way. You easy. have all you have about thirty five hundred plates spinning in the air at any given time. <laughs> so when I miss an episode, I really have lost track of what you're doing. <laughs> you have no idea where I am anymore. But <laughs> I hope my listeners do. But we put it in a nice little concise package, and I know you do a great job of editing all that. And I want to thank you too. I should do that more often for well, all thanks. that you do behind the scenes behind to put the all these scenes. packages together. Yeah, it's all yeah. about behind the scenes. We got all kinds of cool stuff going on today. We've got uh, Barbara Ellen Fox, and she's been a, an amazing teacher. And she's from out west, right? She's from all over. You know what? Uh, she started on the east coast. Yeah, ended up in um, the northern Nevada area. Uh, you know, and and has been um, in Texas. Well, I mean, she grew up in Long Island, New York. Okay, then she lived in Texas, Colorado, Arizona, and. You know what? She's just got an east-west flavor. I love. She's I love great. it. I can't yeah. wait to hear what she says because I didn't get to sit on that on that in on that conversation. You'll and love then it. there's going to be a, a little a little conversation about draft horses. Yes. Yes. So Jamie Jennings had a clever question. She's working with a draft, and I said, you know, no better way to answer it than to record dad <laughs> with the answer and uh, and she's refined it since then so people have, should watch on her facebook page too and see how she's doing with josie the draft um ginormous horse that was really started but kind of needs to be restarted yep going going to suit going to remedial school so yep. uh but without any further ado we're going to hear a little bit from our title sponsor hands-on gloves and then we're going to jump right in right Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of Hands On Gloves, and I, we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay, and I, I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical resistant, mildew resistant, because you can bathe with them too. They're made to get wet. Um, but across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin skin horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be 
touched in certain areas, but having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, we have professional grooms that work from us. Um, they groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, mm -hmm. and they found out that most people are grooming too light. Oh, <laughs> interesting. tickling the, the horses and went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. Ah. And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We, we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, you can throw them in the washing machine. Um, just don't put them in the dryer. And okay. um, just throw them in the washing machine. Hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. Monty Roberts, known as the man who listens to horses, has led an extraordinary life. He's an award-winning trainer of championship horses, New York Times best-selling author, Hollywood stuntman, foster dad to 47 kids, in addition to three of his own, yeah, and a creator of the world-renowned and revolutionary equine training technique called Join Up, a gentle way to cause a horse to accept his first saddle and rider in about 30 minutes. Over 70 years ago, Monty discovered that he could utilize the nonverbal communication that goes on between horses. This changed everything for him about working with horses. Well, welcome, Monty Roberts. I'm so excited to have you back on, Dad, because we have a question coming in from your audience, specifically Jamie Jennings. Oh, wow. That's fun because Jamie's one of my favorites, as you know. And uh, <clears throat> I've, I've worked with her on the phone on several horses where she tells me it was absolutely genius, worked like a charm. And so I'm, I'm really happy to take a question from her. Uh, and, you know, now, by now, Debbie, uh, Jamie Jennings is one of our m most bright uh, certified instructors. And if she has a problem, you believe me, it's, it's a serious problem because she doesn't mess around with just the little dinky ones anymore. <laughs> she, she gives you a problem uh, that is difficult to solve or she's already solved it. So whatever's coming through is probably fairly unique. Uh, she has a draft horse, right? And so it's a large problem only in that it was a large draft horse. I don't think it'll be a large problem for you. I'm not too worried about the, uh, yeah. the ability and to answer draft it. Horses, draft horses are essentially large. And the <laughs> larger they are, the larger the problems that they can cause because just a little movement in the wrong direction can be very painful at times. And, uh, um, so I'm I'm happy to hear that. I have worked, as you know, with the one-tonners quite a lot, particularly for Her Majesty, those horses that are meant to be drum horses when they get older. And um, they have to go in those parades with all the bugles and the trumpets and the trombones and everything, and then have two big drums hanging one on each side where the guy's thumping on it to the beat of the music. And so... 
draft horses can can have a lot of problems and generally are asked to do things that are problem filled. Mm-hmm. Well, this one is uh, brought to Jamie as a uh-huh. retraining exercise. This horse was raised up and trained up in blinders. Well, yeah, uh, almost all of the big boys are uh, raised up and trained up in blinders. Um, we call them blinkers, but when you blind off three quarters of a horse's sight, you can call it blinders if you want. And that's what the early training is done with these big horses. They really put them in the dark so that, uh, the things that they're going to see and the things that they always hear, uh, don't frighten them nearly as much when they're in the dark. So, this horse is meant now to come into a different usage than as a draft horse? Correct. So what she she did was approach the horse without blinders or blinkers, as they say in thoroughbreds, uh, and the saddle was suddenly a killer, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Debbie, that's, that's awfully um, understandable. Um, what she's done here is that she's approached the horse Suddenly, with a saddle, something the horse had never seen before. Right. And, um, yeah, so it's just like starting all over again training, because while they can listen to a big wagon coming behind them, or a band coming behind them, or see a lot of things that are scary on the streets of uh, where they're doing a parade, or you know, draft horses have such a wide area of uh, responsibilities to the human race, and uh, they are started in blinders, and um, they are not worked with very often without the blinders on or blinkers on, shutting off about 60% of their vision. So now they want to, apparently, they want to ride this horse, correct? Correct. Well, You have to start from day one with a horse like that. You have to go right back and say, this is a three-year-old draft horse, and he's never seen what I'm going to show him. Now, you would do that if it was a wagon or if it was a a plow or uh, some kind of a drag pulling trees out of the forest, something like that. Those things are very scary for a draft horse. Um, So you think, well, if he can do that, then just getting on him with the saddle, it means nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that isn't the case. If it's new, it's a killer. They are flight animals, and they have to have a log book. And if it's tested, I know it, I've seen it, it doesn't hurt me, you're okay. If I haven't seen it, then it's going to hurt me. That's the position I have to take or I die. I'm still a flight animal, regardless of whether I'm a one-ton draft horse or not. So go on from there then, and what trouble is she having? Well, she just said mostly it was the spookiness and get, and preparing for life in the saddle without blinkers or blinders on. Okay, so... She wants to prepare to get on the back of this horse in a saddle and ride it with her normal clothes on and all these things. You have to start from scratch. Okay. 
And I would ask immediately if she has uh, a pacifier. And a pacifier is a screen that goes over the eye. I'm sure that Jamie knows what a pacifier is. But the pacifier is like a tea strainer that one, you have two of them, and one goes over each eye, and then it has a hood that holds them together. And then she needs a good roll of um, gorilla tape. Mm -hmm. And you tape it off just like his blinders were. Mm. And then you start to do whatever it is that you need to do. Approach him with a saddle, approach him with a saddle blanket, um, people around him, whatever, whatever is bugging the horse at this point in time. You get them used to it with their familiar blinders on. And then you take a good sharp pocket knife or a serrated edge knife out of the kitchen or something like that. And you gradually, as he becomes accustomed to whatever it is that you're doing, what he can see of it, you gradually take about an eighth of an inch of that off per day. Okay. Uh, So in eight days, you have an inch of it off and it's almost wide open. Mm -hmm. So... I've had the best luck shutting that side off of those draft horses uh, during the time of something new coming on and then gradually taking it off so that they become accustomed to it slowly and see to it that it's not going to hurt. And the next thing you need after the pacifier is a, a mannequin rider. You need mm-hmm. a dummy rider. Okay. And you need a saddle. And you put the saddle on, and I I think he'll take the saddle okay, because the saddle is low profile, it goes up on his back, and a belt goes around his uh, rib cage. Mm -hmm. But he's already had a belt around his rib cage with all the harnesses he's had on to be a draft horse. Mm -hmm. So he's probably not going to bother about the saddle at all. But you put that animal up on him that looks like a human being, Mm -hmm. sitting up straight, and you pa- use a pair of, she knows, hip boots, like rubber boots that you snap onto that mannequin rider, and they bang on the sides of him like legs of a human being. That is new. Mm-hmm. So you do it first with the blinders on, and he's used to taking anything with the blinders on. Then you gradually let him see it about an eighth of an inch a day. And then you take some shopping bags. And you make a necklace for your mannequin rider. Mm. And you put some shopping bags in there and you start out with those shopping bags rolled up and tucked under his collar, tucked under his collar that you've got around his neck, like a necklace, a tight necklace. And he goes around and he doesn't see much. He doesn't feel much. Everything seems to be okay. And you gradually open those bags up so that they begin to flow with the air that's passing over him as he moves. And pretty soon, I'm telling you, in one or two days, and Jamie will break records with this because she's really bright about these things. In one or two days, he'll be letting you go around there with three or four shopping bags waving around the rider's head. (laughs) But you've only cut about a half an inch off. So then you'll keep going. And within a week's time, you can cut all of the gorilla tape off the pacifier and he will see that thing. And once he's seen it and everybody has sworn that it will never cause him any harm, he'll go absolutely perfectly calm. I promise you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but do not say, oh, I think he's okay now. I'll just go ahead and get on. Mm-hmm. Do not say that mm-hmm. until he's 100% okay with no pacifier on at all. Wide open eyes sees everything. You don't get on. Uh, I've got bruises still that I can (laughs) show you where my bones have been crunched by horses that I thought, ah, he's okay by now. Mm -hmm. Um, That'll be all right. No, no, you take that extra time and you gradually let him see it. But it's the sight of it and the sound of it. So if you have... He, you know, draft horses are pretty much used to sounds. There's clunking iron behind them. There's rattling wheels. There's uh, high-profile vehicles that are moving up and down or whatever he did for a living before he came to her. He's used to sounds pretty good. That's probably not the thing. It's the sight of. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the pacifier is the thing. If you get down to the sounds of it, though, if you use caution tape and make it about a foot long per cut hanging off the end of a bamboo pole and make a wad of them on the end of a bamboo pole, like two pounds of caution tape. And then you bang that around on the rider's back and front and side around the rider's ears. That's the mannequin rider. And then there's that rattling sound of plastic. Sometimes draft horses don't get the plastic sound and that's that's a really tough one for them to handle. And then you you work until you can stand behind that horse and swing the bamboo cane and try to get a two-inch or something that's pretty strong. Swing it like you would a baseball bat and hit the shoulders of your mannequin rider while standing behind the horse long enough so that he doesn't kick you. And you swing it both sides so that something comes flying in and it sounds funny and it looks funny and it hits the shoulders of his rider and he feels the rider move from it. Mm -hmm. Then you're gentling the horse in all areas, but never cause him any pain. Mm -hmm. Then slide that caution tape back onto his rear end and go bingity, 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 bing over one hind leg and the other hind leg, the other hind leg, the other hind leg, over and over his hips while standing behind him. Stroking. You could have somebody. A stroke stroke across the skin. A a stroke across the skin. Yeah, a half circle Mm -hmm. over the skin. Never hitting him to cause him any pain. Mm -hmm. But have that thing flying over his hips. And I, I promise you in a week or 10 days, she'll have the horse absolutely gentle for anything that you can imagine when she goes through that process. You can, you can follow it by going up under the horse's belly with the caution tape between his front legs, down his front legs, any place that uh, would seem to be uh, vulnerable to him and places that things haven't happened while he was a draft horse. Think about that. Nobody ran plastic things up and down his front legs while he was a draft horse, probably. Probably not. So, so yeah. he considers that to be invasive mm-hmm. and, and frightening. And uh, I would love for her to video it okay. and send it through so I can see. And if I see the first day, I'll probably have some comments to make about where to go on the second day. But I know Jamie, and she'll have it 
going so well that it'll mm-hmm. it'll only take about two or three videos and she'll be riding the horse around in the rodeo in the center of town. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I love equine behavior, don't you? Equine behavior yeah. is so interesting, yeah? Uh, yeah. maybe you should describe for the for the listeners neophobic. Um, yeah, neophobic is a word that you define as anything new will kill you. Mm-hmm. That's how every flight animal thinks. Mm-hmm. If it's new, it'll kill you. Now, why does every flight animal think that? Because that way they ain't going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And it might not kill me. It doesn't really look like it would kill me, but it's new. I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that anything new could be something that would kill them. Right. So they get the heck away from anything new. And this, this thing of using the pacifiers, the screen over the eye taped off and gradually opening it is to age the problem. Mm-hmm. So that it's no longer new. I saw that before and it didn't hurt me then. It's probably not going to hurt me now. And then when you can do it with no help at all from the pacifier, then you're ready to put your own body on the line. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's super helpful. What a great service. And I'm sure Jamie will take it to heart and send you a bunch of video. I, and, I, and all all, all yeah. the time. Uh, that she's doing this, she has something on her head that's not on his head that's not going to hurt his mouth. Okay, right. Yeah, because they may jump and just jab a, a bit into his mouth somehow, and that becomes painful. So then he logs that onto whatever he saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes on point. on the label of what he saw, and he and he would look at you and say, "See, I told you the dang thing would hurt me." <laughs> Something so you me. put some you put some really innocuous kind of halter on that that's not going to hurt them, and you don't tie them up. You 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 get a long lead, and if they're going to bolt, let them bolt. That's a really let good point. Let them go twenty. Why, why is that? What? Yeah. Why is that? Tell well, us about it, the psychology. Well, because if if you tie them up, and they run from the thing that's new to them, and they hit the end of that, they have two things to fight. Mm-hmm. And they will blame both things on both objects. They will fight the tie because of the thing that came at them, the plastic or whatever it is, the saddle blanket or the mannequin rider. So they got two things to blame. But if they run 20 feet and you just pull them around and give them a rub between the eyes and say, what, what happened? And they say, well, that thing came at me on my back and I'll show it. Yeah, okay, but what else? Well, that, that was it. Well, let's have a look at it again then. And so then you go back to the back and they might run again. But once or twice they go, at first time they go 15, 18 feet, then they go 10 feet, then 8 feet and so forth. And pretty soon they stand there and let you do it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's it's it goes with the choice based, but it's just it less. Choice, rest- yeah. yeah, yeah, but less restrictive. And that hard 
yeah, that hard stop is exactly, as you say, something to fight. And yeah. uh, I think people that those people that want to choke up, you know, like on a bat, choke up on the horse's lead right up there by their mouth. Um, I yeah. think you could admonish something there, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Don't let them fight anything on their heads. They got enough to worry about with the thing that's bothering them. Uh, let them play with if you have a dually halter, it, it'll turn them around and face them, and then you just give slack to the line and let them be comfortable on their heads. Don't give them two things to fight. Mm -hmm. Very good. That's excellent. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for the tip this week. Yep. We'll look to it. I want to report back on this. And anybody out there that has a draft horse that you're reorganizing to do something else with, ride or pack your sleeping bags up the hill to the to the vacation spot, uh, whatever you have in mind, uh, don't hesitate to watch a video of this. If we can put a video of Jamie doing her thing, I, I would love to see it because I know it's going to be a success. My word, Debbie, how many um, successful adventures have we made with Jamie since she became an instructor? So much fun. I could just say the word Diego and you can think of several, you know, one Diego, horse. <laughs> yeah, Diego. And, and, and her 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 first horse that was running yes. away with her, um, Thor, Thor, and then Thor, Zeus, yeah, yeah, Thor and Zeus, Zeus, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, oh man, when we go back and think about the things that she, you know, really made nice horses from, yes. it's it's really heartening, and and this one this one will be good. This is kind of in my bailiwick here with this um, uh, pacifier thing. It really works. All right. For those people who are wondering what is a certified Monty Roberts instructor, lucky, lucky them that they get Monty's brain uh, available to them. So if you're interested, they should take courses and get certified and come see what Jamie learned. Because Jamie didn't set (laughs) out to be she didn't set out to be a certified instructor. She just wanted your education. But, but, you know, I remember her favorite saying to me was. How come I didn't learn this stuff working with horses for 20 years? Well, how come these things are yeah. are foreign, you know? And so people are yeah. knowing it now. People are knowing I, it. I, I tell you, that's my story, too. You know, every time I've come up with something as I work with an animal, I tell the story that the animal looked at me and said, well, it took you long enough to learn <laughs> this. Because Sorry. here I am my whole life with horses and uh, it's only been five or six years now that we've had the top pole, the training off pressure pole. Right, that's true. And we should have had that when I was 10 years old. Yeah, what were you thinking? Eight years old. <laughs> what was I thinking? And then there's grandma, the deer, letting me touch her shoulder and saying, well, you kept your eyes off of me when you did that. And when you put your eyes on me, you're a predator. And she literally said in English, how long did it take you to learn this? I was sitting up with her every night for like two years, you know, before I could touch her. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we, we, we learn slowly, us human beings, <laughs> but uh, we can learn from one another. And so if you, if you call or you go online with these questions, uh, particularly with the online university in place, mm-hmm. uh, we can learn from one another. And you might as well use my... What am I now? Ninety-seven? No, eighty-seven. No, no. <laughs> you will be. Years you old. will be. You can learn from all those years of experience the silly little things that uh, somebody is right now, as we speak, 
somebody in his 20s or something is is knocking on a horse that he thinks it's all the horse's fault for doing something um use me use me i'm on that online university right there with my god how how many lessons do we have up there now over 700 look at that over 700 lessons yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just imagine they they have to be pretty inventive to to come up with something that's not on there. And that's not a, exactly. We have over yeah. two hundred on this podcast. Have over two hundred on this podcast? Yes. Oh, wonderful. During her fifty plus years as a riding instructor. Barbara Ellen Fox has taught countless people of all ages and abilities to ride horses in most disciplines. Thousands of instructors and students follow Barbara's blog, The Riding Instructor, where she shares encouragement, lesson plans, and teaching tips for lovers of good horsemanship. She's also an advocate for America's wild horses. Her personal horse, Reno, was captured in the mountains of northern Nevada. Barbara says that she has worked with unique horse trainers since the early 1990s, and she also advocates rehabilitation for racehorses to go on to their second careers. Barbara's now gone on to write nonfiction for the horse community and fiction based on equestrian heroes and heroines. She weaves her extensive background with horses and their people into exciting stories about happily ever after for men, women, and horses. Well, welcome, Barbara Ellen Fox. I'm so glad to have you on the show. How are you? I'm wonderful today, and thank you very much for having me on Horsemanship Radio. My pleasure. I uh, am really thrilled to be here. I am thrilled to have you. Anybody who's been teaching, especially, you know, very entry-level writers uh, for 50 years or more, uh, deserves our attention and and deserves our praise. I'm so happy to have you on and in your perspective. And where are you right now? Where, where do you hail from? I am in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I originated in New York, so I've traveled a long way to get here. And I'm mm-hmm. from a horseless family. There, there isn't a person in my family that has anything to do with horses. And I've made my life with them, and I I always think that's encouraging to people who tell me, well, you know, no one in my family likes horses. Well, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take a family uh, to fulfill your dreams with horses. Mm-hmm. That's nice, and it's so true. There are so many people who say, I don't know where it comes from. Is it in the DNA? What do you think that is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I did uh, research. In my family's history, I couldn't even find a cavalry officer. That's funny. So it definitely came came on its own, you know. Yeah, yeah but you you definitely set out to do this when you know when anybody says they've done something for fifty years, it's you started young, <laughs> and you, yes. you by necessity. Tell us a little bit how you did start that path. Well, um, I think I got my first interest in horses. There were these two ponies at uh, the local gas station, and my mother happened to stop there one time and I got a pony ride and I think that was the last time we went to that gas station. She really circumvented oh. <laughs> after that. You know, I was one of those kids that grew up talking about horses so much that I was forbidden to speak about horses at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, so then you know, then I found one in, in the neighborhood and uh started taking riding lessons from a local family. And went to a summer camp, a summer day camp, and it was all based around horses. 
And that took me into showing in hunt seed equitation. And when I went on in further education, I went to a school to become a riding instructor. That's basically all uh, they focused on. And that was with the British Horse Society, but it was in America. And from there, I came to the Midwest and started teaching. Yeah, and you um, have been teaching ever since, which is great. And we'll get into a little bit how you've pivoted recently, trying to trying to retire here a little bit from the writing instructor. But <laughs> right, what do you right. what do you say to the parent who says, "Oh man, I mean, there might be some parents listening, just going like, I really would like to get my kids into it, but they're not because you were the opposite." So, do you ever talk to those parents that say, "I really like my daughter, my son to to enjoy horses." as much as I do. What can I do right? What can I do wrong? Well, I think the first thing is you have to let it come naturally. Um, If a child isn't interested in horses and you bring them around, you can introduce them to them and, and see if that generates an interest. But trying to make a child ride and enjoy it, um, it really takes the joy out of it. Mm-hmm. So you have to look for those little openings where they sh- they show an interest, get them in the right spot to see other kids with horses and build on it that way. So that really takes getting them around a person that teaches and has a sensitivity about that with kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, well, I, I've had entire families come to take lessons because mom want, wanted them all to ride. And, yeah. and it can be like, it can, it can take, 20 minutes to get the horse down the aisle, you know, when you have, when you have the kids that don't really want to do it. So I think you just have to look for the openings and have to get them in a good situation with an instructor that really is concerned about the starting rider and not one who's teaching riding because it's a way to make money so that they can go to horse shows. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, Yeah, but it's not, where you want your your child to start or or an adult for that matter right yeah, exactly you know, so we, are there different entry do you try different angles at it too uh to encourage it sounds like i'm encouraging a child i'm not i'm trying to speak to that but but are there you know does it always have to be the rote, well, you start by jumping on the horse and we're going to teach you to keep your heels down? Or are there other entry levels or entry points, I guess, for horses that you might have encouraged kids to go to? Let's say you had three siblings and you thought, one is just not going to make it. You just say, have you ever tried bull riding or what, what do you, where, do you, right. where else do you go? <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes um, just starting your children off in a summer camp that has riding as a, as one of the activities mm-hmm. is a good way to get them exposed and not overloaded with, with horses at one time. Yeah. But um, we don't really I, – I, my first love, of course, you know, is the hunt seat riding, but I teach Western or taught yeah. Western riding and saddle seat riding and bareback riding and – We've even just taught ground school and um, basic, you know, horsemanship relationship with the horse. And so there are a lot of different ways you can go. I think a summer camp is a great idea. And then they're exposed to a lot of things. And maybe they take up rowing instead. But I don't want them to <laughs> yes. be forced into anything. So you've got this wonderful blog, The Riding Instructor. And um, it, it is really a nice um, encouragement. I think your educational 
uh, direction is wonderful for people. Tell us what some of the what's going on with the writing instructor now that you're doing more writing yourself instead of uh, instructing. Is it going to uh, go on in perpetuity, or what are you doing with that? Yeah, the writing instructor will continue. It's um, my purpose there is to encourage writing instructors, both from um, the emotional side of teaching the uh, problems that sometimes we run into with our students or their parents or, you know, all of those things. And to also try to give fresh perspective on different ways to teach subjects, uh, different different approaches, different ways to do games, different ways to um, just relate the common thing that you teach because there are so many different learning styles that mm-hmm. we need different approaches, you know, for different people. Mm-hmm. And um, we will, I, uh, my hope is to develop a series of uh, courses for instructors online. But at this point, I'm just doing the newsletter and writing my blog. Mm-hmm. And the newsletter is uh, it's more of an insider's look. You know, it's more of uh, what's going on uh, in my life or with the writing instructor as opposed to the straight blog. But I I have no intention for it. And it's been going for almost 14 years. And uh, I love the I love the people that I have there. We have posts have gone around the world many times. So I'm sure. And you're also an advocate for America's Wild Horses, which I'm so proud of you for um, being a voice for them as well. I know that anybody can say I love Mustangs out on the open plains and all that, but it does take rolling up the sleeves to try to make a difference. I, your horse, we we gave the listeners some insight that your horse, Reno, came from the, the government, the Bureau of Land Management. And uh, tell us a little bit about how you got it. You went from hunt seat on the East Coast <laughs> to a wild <laughs> Mustang named Reno. Well, I tell you, I was 60 years old when I when we adopted mm. Reno, and uh, we'd been we lived in Flagstaff, Arizona at the time, and I had a friend that gathered wild horses off the uh, Hopi reservation, so I was aware of a lot of the wild horse situation, but I'd never really come personally face-to-face other than having ridden some of them with him out out in the desert and things like that and there was a wild horse adoption in town so we got up and i said well you know we've never gone to one of these let's go see what it's like but we're not getting a horse right right (laughs) (laughs) yeah long story short that's where reno came from yeah (laughs) and um he he has been oh just he has been, it's a whole new chapter. Uh, was a, just just showed me so many things about myself and showed me so many things that I automatically assumed about a horse and automatically did that I didn't need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like having an, an entirely new education with horses. Mm-hmm. He was just a clean slate. I couldn't touch him for... Oh, a couple of weeks. He had the halter and the lead rope on, you know, when they finally got him to my house <laughs> and just getting his confidence, letting him know that I was the one that was providing his food. I was the one that was making sure he had fresh water. And the day after I got him, he came down with shipping fever. Oh, So 
here I had this horse that you couldn't touch yeah. with shipping fever. And I had to kind of beg my veterinarian for some medication for him. And uh, I shredded the finest alfalfa I could find, got all the little leaves off and mixed the medicine in there and, and got him to come up to me to eat this. That's amazing. And it took, yeah, that was, and it took two rounds of this medication to, to heal him. And I mean, this was a really, really sick horse. But uh, that's the last time he's ever been sick. Ah, I believe it. Because they're so resilient, those mustangs. Oh, yeah. And -hmm. and I have to say, you know, I've had a lot of horses in my lifetime. And this is the horse of my heart. I mean, this horse. He is, we are so bonded. It's really a hard thing to explain. But, you know, and he's he's wonderfully loyal. And, uh, in fact, there (laughs) were... was a time period we went through that he didn't like any any other person coming around me he didn't like the other horses coming near me i mean we've gone through so many you know different stages with our relationship but he is uh, i've i've just had such such a joy having this horse and you know now the tables have kind of turned a little bit boy when i'm a little blue or a little down i go out to him <laughs> and he eases my problems and you know kind of restores my soul a little bit and and it's so it's been a real relationship and i wouldn't change it for anything awesome Awesome. But you're also an advocate for rehabbing to second career. So I see a pattern here for racehorses too, which is, yeah. how do you do that? It's well, those, um, that's a whole entire, that's a different process than, than with a Mustang. The Uh first thing you do with a horse that comes off the racetrack is you give him time to be a horse. Mm -hmm. You know, you let him, let himself down. I, I have found that unless we let them relax for six months to a year, every time you go to work with them, their bodies go back into the racing shape again. So by letting, letting them rest and relax and, uh, you know, kind of become horses. We turn them out a lot so that they get, you know, get used to a lot of that. Um, that's where you start or where we start. You put and them then, in herds? You know, do, you, do you have them in herds? Yes, if, uh, we, if we can, if we can. Okay. Um, the ones I have now, you know, have been off the track for a long time because, of course, you know, I'm kind of on the other side of, of all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, there, I guess, I guess I must have a, a penchant for, horses that are a little more sensitive because the thoroughbred is uh, the wild horse and the thoroughbred. They are both very sensitive animals. I mean, they're, they're alert and they're aware of their surroundings all the time. And some people call that reactive, but to me, that's an intelligent horse that's, that's, you know, aware of what's going on with them. And so it's just like training any green horse, I mean, we teach them to lunge, we work them in the round pen, um, easy mounting, easy riding, teaching the basics, and just building from there, depending on what the horse wants to do, what the horse is capable of. What was the most surprising thing when you started to rehab some racehorses about them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think the biggest lesson I learned was that, and this has been years ago, was that if you tighten the reins on a racehorse, yeah, yeah, 
they go faster. They don't yep. slow down. And that, that was a real, that was a real surprise. But I guess the other thing about the thoroughbred in general that I've learned is that there isn't a horse that likes to get muddier or dirtier than a thoroughbred. <laughs> and, and then they complain when you take it off, you know, so, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, that, that's been my love since I was a little kid and learned about man of war. Oh yeah. Look at that. You know. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And I think it, we, we have them so bubble wrapped these days, these racehorses. It's so cute to see them just, you know, walk through grass and say, wow, what's this stuff? You know, it's oh, slippery. Yeah. And, <laughs> And you know they're so um, they're so mature for they look so mature for for mm. what they are when they are on the racetrack and and if you get a young one that you really do have to be careful because just because their bodies are big mm-hmm. they're still not fully developed and they're not their brains are not uh, fully grown either you know and and they need a little slower pace than they than they usually get. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's a great note too, is give them time to be a horse. And there's so much to that, isn't there? When people say, oh, let them be a horse, they might not know clearly what we're talking about. But once you do that and let them um, blossom a little bit, there are so many aspects of their life between socially, physically, uh, just just their whole metabolism. They're hypervigilant, really, is what they are. Yeah. Yeah, and they they have such a variety of personality too. Yes. It's not, um, you know, a lot of times when they come off the track, they're mm, almost a little angry. Yeah, you know, they're they're mm-hmm. and and to watch that drift away and and to see the real horse come out yes. is just kind. It's kind of a thrill. It's like it's like the same as the Mustang. I mean, yeah. when the wild horse first come when he first came to our house, he was so lost. Mm-hmm. And he was so just kind of looking at things and so he couldn't relate to anything. I mean, we had other horses, but he just, it just took a while for his personality to come out. And my, my wild horse is very non-humorous. He has no sense of humor. So. <laughs> non-humorous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love to watch that um, that transition, that transformation, really. But you're right. They they are either passed, you know, around a few trailers, too, before they often come mm-hmm. to their home that's going to let them chill out, too. So I can understand why they wouldn't necessarily trust what's going on until they know it's actually going to keep happening the way it's looking. Right. Right. Exactly. So in 2015, you know, we we had mentioned in your bio that you retired to write, uh, not ride, but write nonfiction. Right. And and some fiction based on uh, some horses in there threaded throughout. What was the were you just retiring from instructing or what was your inspiration? Well, um, I've I've written all of my life. I've, I've always been either writing lesson programs or newsletters or, mm. I mean, my my father asked me to to write shorter letters home. You know, so, <laughs> so <it was> really, <laughs> really funny. But I had a story that was in my mind and uh, bothered me at night when I was sleeping bothered me during the day and I finally said you know enough and I wrote it down and then the story left me alone but that started me off on writing uh, the fiction stories with equestrians based on you know based on equestrians 
the the nonfiction has just been an ongoing thing. I, when I retired, I just started doing more of that. But I now have, uh, let's see, I have three stories that are with an agent. And we're not published yet. It takes a really, really long time to get published. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've been instructed to improve my social media standing, which I, you know, that's that's probably my least most exciting place to do things, <laughs> but I am working at it. And, well, uh, they, they love that part because then they, they don't have to market as, as, yes, as yes, much. Yes, I don't think you're I doing the work for them. Is, <laughs> I don't think they have any intention of doing much marketing anymore, you know, but, <laughs> but that's okay because I like getting to know people. I just, um, the consistency is kind of hard for me. I'm kind of used to, you know, doing things when the inspiration hits me anymore. I mean, gee, I'm retired. I don't have to do other than feed my horses. I don't have right. to do anything on time, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, it's on your schedule so anyway. Yeah. 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 I love I love how you do add the the knowledge and the east and the west flavor, as you said it, to your writing. And I think people will love that too, because you'll go, you'll appeal to a lot of, a lot of people. Not only are you an inspiration for people who might say, gosh, I'm 50 years old. Is it too late for me to ride a horse or to get involved with horses at all? What do you say to them? It's never too late. Nah. And the horses give so much back to you that it, you know, and there are so many different ways to be involved with horses. It's just, it's just never too late. If it's something that's been on someone's heart, I've started people that were in their Mm seventies and for the, I had one fellow that uh, he'd never even had a pet, but he knew his, his ability to go hiking was Mm -hmm. diminishing. So Mm -hmm. he wanted to start riding so he could go out and ride to some of the areas of Arizona and we ended up going all the way down to Icelandic horses for him yeah Uh, good and I uh, and I I mean down as far as size you know yeah right easy easy for him to saddle easy for him to get on and off of and um you know he just he he had a ball with it so there are so many different kinds of horses and there are so many different ways of riding and so many different things to do with horses. You don't even have to ride them, um, that anybody ought to be able to, you know, fill their, fulfill their dream of being around being with, or even owning a horse. Mm. And my biggest advice though, in, in that situation is to find someone who can help you learn the basics thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And when I say the basics, I mean all the way from the correct way to put a halter on and lead a horse around to the correct way to sit in a saddle and even open a gate. Uh, all the basic little things so that so that you can be confident uh, with what you're doing and so that you can keep continue to enjoy it and build on that. But if you don't have the basics, if you have the holes, um, it's too easy to get into a situation that can be frightening and not know how to get out of it. So learning to ride well, taking the time uh, 
to to really understand what it is you're doing on the horse and to understand how to relate to the horse and recognize the signs of, say, if a horse is getting worried or um, if the horse is or the horse has a, a physical issue, um, knowing when when your equipment is on the horse correctly, when it's worn, when it needs replacement, um, you know, all of those little bitty things, how to put the horse in the trailer and haul him down the road yeah. safely and comfortably. Because, you know, if you put a horse in the trailer and you give him a rough ride, he's not going to be apt to get back <laughs> in very many times, you know? So yeah. those are, so that's kind of a, kind of having a total view yeah. I think we call it horse. Yeah, we call it horsemanship. Exactly. Yes, we do. Exactly. That's why we started this podcast too, is to get fully into it. When I spoke, Mm -hmm. when I spoke with you earlier, I didn't realize that your dad had written another book. I had read, you know, the the man who listens to horses Mm -hmm. and shy boy, but I had not read from my hands to yours. Ah. And I downloaded it last night and it looks fascinating. So Ah, I'm going to imagine that that is a book probably that would really shed some light on horsemanship for a person that was older and wanting to start out. Well, thank you. We're in our third edition with that. So as you read it, please let us know what's missing. (laughs) I I would so trust you on that. So I want people to go to theridinginstructor.net and barbaraellenfox.com and look you up and start learning from you. Um, You're on Facebook and Instagram. I know, kicking and screaming, but you are. And so so theridinginstructor.net and Barbara and Ellen is spelled E. E-L-L-I-N. So BarbaraEllenFox.com. Thanks so much for being on Horsemanship Radio. A couple years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, mm-hmm. but uh, we we uh, had you on a, a number of our shows talking yeah. about the Equus Online University, which had just yeah. come out. It has developed. It's become better with the search engine in it, and it's become better with the forum because we have such an amazing forum. You know, a lot of those forums, people get on there and go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yeah, usually it's, it ends up with the whiners on forums. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's not. What I see is a mentoring. Actually, it's it's almost the polar opposite because um, the we, we do give these rosettes out for people who've completed so many lessons. And uh, once the rosettes started, now we have... Uh, we're up to five rosettes uh, for somebody who's watched every lesson. And you you have those rosettes by your forum uh, personality and your profile. And uh, so you can really see who's watched all these things. So it gives them credibility when they come in and say, hey, if you watch this lesson. So people come on there and they're using it as a, um, as a training tool, frankly, you know, and they get on there. And... And I'm not bragging on on the university as the greatest training tool, which I think it is, but it's also a great place for people to be mentored as they begin their journey with horses. Um, it really, it really is cool. So when they watch the lessons, and they can watch them over and over again as many times as they want, they get the lesson notes, they get audio, they get visual, and then they've got the forum to kick around too. Plus, we've got now since 2004, every week, 
without fail, we put up a Q&A from Monty himself. He chose the question, he answered it, and we put it in a database. And that's actually free for everybody to search and get to. It's it's open on our um, Equus Online University. In other words, it's a non-subscriber open source forum too. Uh, not forum, but a Q&A base. Uh, the forum is not. You're, you're behind a subscriber wall for the forum just so we know who's talking. But it is... Um, it is it's been an incredible experience, actually, to put these together with Stefan Peters and Will Simpson. You know who I'm talking about. These these guys have won everything yeah. in their worlds. And uh, Charlotte Bredals, and and if I get started, Rich, Richard Winters, and so many guest lecturers that are on there, too. So some people ask, why is it called university? Well, that's what a university is. It's uh, it's not just one opinion. It's not just one deliverer. You know, and, and I think that's the difference between the uh, everybody is putting out a YouTube these days and they're free so people ask us sometimes why do you charge like up to ten dollars a month and well it's it's expensive to make the university everybody knows quality is is uh not cheap but it, it's really our mission statement and i know that sounds a bit trite but it's true <laughs> when you when you've worked at it for five years just to get all that quantified and on there they're just almost no subjects we haven't covered at this point but um but dad and i were looking at the list and he goes Hey, I'm going to be making videos until well into my 90s. And I went, yes, (laughs) promise and sign here. (laughs) So, so we do have, we do have a lot of subjects left to go and a lot of people we want to still get on there. What do you think of it, Glenn? Well, I think that one of the things about training horses as it, same as training anything really, uh, is that you're, you're going through stages and you're always coming up to a new, problem to solve uh-huh. or a new issue to deal with. And what I like about the university now that you have so much content on there mm-hmm. is that whatever issue you're running into, there's going to be something on there to help you. So not many people are going to go on there and watch all, you know, all the videos mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many of them. What you're going to, what you're going to want to do is go on there and you're going to want to watch the videos that relate to the situation you're in currently with right. that particular horse. Um, and, and that's what I like about it is it has, it has so much content now that whatever you're dealing with, you're probably going to find an answer somewhere, somehow. And if not, you can go to the forum. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, I really like about it is wherever you're at now is where you can find that situation. Plus, you know, YouTube is so full of crap now. And I'm not saying that every video on there is crap, but there are, we all know what we're talking about. Uh, there are some that are. And, you know, one of the things that, I really like about this is you know you can trust it. Uh, you know that w- what you're seeing is something you can trust. I've tried doing repairs on uh, appliances and things off of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, and you know, some of them are good, some are not so good. And some, one of the things I couldn't get back together again. So, oh. <laughs> you know, it's, you know that, at least you didn't hurt yourself. That's right. Good. <laughs> so that's what I really like about it. And for that, yes, it costs a few, it costs a few pennies to do it, but it's worth it. Um, nice. You know, it's worth it to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it is tried and true. Everything on there is so tried and true. If not, you know, we'd be, they'd be throwing tomatoes at us in the forum. <laughs> but it really does work. And, and we, we are so happy that, uh, so many people have been, um, interested enough at least to go there, you know, and I should plug in the, 
the website right now is um, www.montyrobertsuniversity.com um, because people can get a free day pass on there and go see what we're talking about and uh, and check out that search engine too. You can put in the weird little keywords and you, you find all kinds of crazy stuff. It really is cool and it breaks it down by um, not just the lessons first, then it goes into the Q&A database and then it goes into the forum. So you can actually pick and choose where you um, pick up those keywords from too. So um, it, it's great. And then you also have little challenge questions, which I love the little tests at the end. You know, there's always four questions at the end of your lesson to make sure that, you know, you were, you were watching. And um, if, if you get it wrong, it just says, want to try again? <laughs> and so you, by process of elimination, you get it right. And then it, it moves you on. And that's how you get your rosettes that you've accomplished that, um, that lesson and that you get to move on. But I, you know, what you just said is so important because when we were setting this, idea up. Um, nothing really existed like it. We didn't want it to be first you have to do one and then you have to do number two and then you have to do number three and like it was some sort of programmed process. Yeah, because that, that never works. It doesn't. It, <laughs> no. you know, because we wanted people who were amazing trainers to jump in there and go, this is what I, you know, what does Monty say about this or what does this trainer say about that? Uh, and they could be at a world-class level or it could be a very beginner saying, where do I start first? And you can just go down the lessons if you want. But, you know, it's like you said, if all of a sudden you have a horse that won't load and you didn't have one last week that didn't load, you know, you go to the loading lessons right, and it's exactly. a whole series on it. And it's MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place and learn the magic in the language of I purchased your book last week and am pleased that I've already learned some of your good horse sense through trial and error myself. A very inspiring read for a horse lover. I grew up on a farm as a kid in a beautiful part of Saskatchewan. There was and still is lots of unspoiled room to ride, and I've had the good fortune to have a horse while growing up. However, there's a lot of wisdom for me to gain yet. I've always wondered more about the animal's language as well. I knew there was one, but I couldn't translate much of it. Is there more? Monty's answer. It is a long process for me to prove to myself and be satisfied that my definition of a gesture is true and demonstrable. I am not fully satisfied that I have any further gesture identification to add to what is included in my books to date. I applaud you for continuing to investigate the potential to identify further gestures and their appropriate meaning. It is my hope that one day I might be able to witness your work and assess your findings. Please continue to explore. It is fun, and who knows what you might discover. It would not be right to leave you with the notion that the language of Equus has been fully identified. I am certain that the future holds many discoveries in this area. I firmly believe what we now know is far less than what is waiting to be discovered. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. So we've got the advanced 
exams in May. That's 2 through 13. And then we have the advanced course in May, May 16 through June 3. Then in June, it's our special month, Jen. We've got the movement, which is June 17, 18, 19. And uh, the 17 and 18 are the presentations, and the 19th are the private sessions with wonderful instructors. And then we've got June 20 through 21, right after that, the Monday and Tuesday after the movement, is Mountain Trail Clinic with Mark Bolander. So I'm really excited about that. Dun, dun, dun. And for the calendar and everything else you need to know about Monty Roberts and Flag is Up Farms, which, by the way, is open to the public to visit, check it out. Right. Uh, you're going to go to MontyRoberts.com. You can follow Monty on all the social media. On Facebook, it's Monty Roberts, the one with the little blue check mark, And on Twitter, as well as Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. Right. And many thanks to our sponsors as well. We've got HandsOnGloves.com. And support those guys over there. They're doing a great job. And we've got MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And he does a great job, too. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.